0: This week is a chance to talk about a topic that's sort of in between a couple of other series. We talked about this, how many weeks ago, Matthew? Eight? No, six weeks? Six weeks ago and and, um, felt like we really wanted to talk it over as a church family. feel like there's definite Scripture, commands in Scripture to us as followers of Christ Uh, as far as our responsibility in the area of ministering to widows, ministering to orphans, ministering to others in need. So, of course, I volunteered. Sure, that sounds like a good one. That's nice and straightforward. I don't think I knew quite what I was getting into. Started studying this uh, weeks ago and and, um, asked Christy to to join me in studying it together. That was probably another mistake because she's been kicking my tail on a lot of these concepts, which is a good thing. Uh, but we we started looking into it together, and we're just frankly shocked at what it means to really obey Christ himself when he says to minister to others in need and so today we have a couple of key passages, and they won 't shock you you 've read them you know them but I think the uh the other part of it for me was understanding that the bigger issue here. It's really the Great Commission. The bigger reason that Christ is so serious about you making a priority and me making a priority out of serving widows and orphans and others in need is because of the Great Commission. The Great Commission is your life calling. You've been put on this earth, one, to come into a relationship with your Savior Jesus Christ. Your first opportunity is to realize what Jesus Christ has done for you. Realize that in our natural state, that we fall short of God's standard all the time, whether it's the little bit of lie I struggle with or the the large sin, we know that we fall short. But Christ came to take care of that. Christ came to die on the cross as a penalty, as to pay the penalty as a sacrifice to cover the penalty of our sin. And the beauty of how God works is He brings this as an opportunity to you. Even if this is the first time you've heard this, He's brought an opportunity for you to know that Jesus Christ saves, that Jesus Christ can take your life which starts out from the very beginning at birth, out of whack because of sin, and through salvation He can give us that right relationship with God. That's the will of God for your life. That you be saved, that you receive this gift of salvation. It was powerful to hear that a few weeks ago when Matthew taught us. From there, your life doesn't go far away from this message. From there, you have this opportunity to then honor and glorify God with every single thing you do. One writer put it that there's the main goal, the main purpose, the main end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever the bottom line is that you were created for a relationship with God and there's two parts of this there's two key parts of this one you could look all the way back in genesis and what will you see as the reason for why God in his wisdom started with by saying let us make man in our image Why did He make man? To relate to God. To have a relationship, an intimacy, a closeness with the Almighty God. And you can see when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, what did they do on a daily basis with God? They walked in the Garden relating to their God, knowing Him, enjoying Him. We can summarize this as far as the grace of God. The gifts of God. This gift that God has given you of getting to know Him and love Him and enjoy Him. Jesus Christ Himself said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it abundantly, that they may have it to the fullest. God has given you this opportunity to know Him and to relate to Him and to have joy through Him. But that's only half of the coin. And if you read through Scripture, there's a completely... Um, additional aspect of this. That for God, whatever reason, because He could do it way better on His own, but for whatever reason, God has given you a life calling, a charge, a commission. He's given you a purpose in life. And that's what we read about in Matthew 28. Turn there with me. Let's take a look at the Great Commission. Jesus Christ had died on the cross. He had cried out that the, it is finished. We know that to mean that the punishment for sin was done. It was taken care of. He then rose from the dead in a powerful, powerful way. He showed Himself to, people, to person after person. Many, many people got to see the risen Christ. Then, He was going to ascend into heaven. He was going to go back into heaven where He is right now. But before He left, He gave maybe the most important charge of all. In Matthew 28, verse 18, read with me, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." His parting thoughts, his last words were, go into all the world and make disciples. God chose you, He chose me, to be His hands and His feet here on earth. He chose you to be the man or the woman to go to this world and to share the love of Jesus Christ, to share the message of salvation, to be part of, of the opportunity for others to come to know Jesus Christ. This is why you exist. This is why you walk the earth. You know the struggles even after knowing Christ. You know that life is not all rosy. Wouldn't it be a lot easier if after you receive Christ, he just take you straight on up to heaven for eternal joy and perfection? Way easier. Why are you here? You're here to fulfill your life calling. I'm here to fulfill my life calling. That's to go into all the world and make disciples. Powerful, powerful challenge that God has given. And I think what was so revolutionary to me in the last several weeks is that ministry to widows, to orphans, to others in need has far less to do with charity or just being a nice person and everything to do with fulfilling my life purpose of the Great Commission. And so it seemed appropriate that if we're going to have any obedience to the to the scripture in ministering to those in need it has to come from the inside and work its way out to our actions you've heard talk is cheap right if i say something but i don't have the conviction in my heart pff, it's worthless 1 Corinthians 13 talks about if I can do all these great things, I can give my body to be burned, I can sell everything I have to give to the poor, but if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. If this change, if this obedience doesn't come from my heart, from the inside of me, from the gut, and work its way out into my actions, then I could minister to the poor in grandiose ways. But if it's not grounded... in in what God wants it grounded in, it's accomplishing nothing. And so there's a strong conviction in my heart and and I would challenge in yours that we ground our obedience to ministering to others in love for God and love for others, in the great calling, the life calling that you have here on earth. My uncle um, came to town and we got to see him. He was talking about removing wallpaper Great job. Lent him my steamer. And it brought back these memories of how Allie and many others of you, JP and others, spent time with me in my house five years ago removing wallpaper. And we worked our tails off to get every shred of wallpaper off of that place. And once we had it off, then we were able to sand the wall a bit and paint it nicely. My uncle was saying the reason he's so serious about this is his son had a very different experience. There was the previous owner had wallpaper. They didn't like the wallpaper. Guess what they did? Painted right over it. Painted right over it. When is that wallpaper going to come off? <sighs> Never, probably. If we cover up the root problem, if we cover up the root issue with externals, there's not a shot at getting it right. We've got to go to the inside and work outward. And As we've done that, I can tell you it's been pretty uncomfortable because it demands a change. It calls for a very different perspective on life than what we would like to have. So as we go through this, understand that the goal is not to offend. The goal is not to to judge. The goal is to see what God would have for us. How would God have us change our mindset, our actions, our attitudes? And in obedience to him, how will that be used by his power to change the world? First 1 John one through four summarizes the importance. Jesus Christ Himself talks and says, Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ephesians 2 1 says that you were dead in your trespasses and sins before God Himself made you alive. The point here is that you are no longer your own. Before Christ saved me, before the great commission, before the great message of salvation impacted my life, I was dead in my sin. And when Jesus Christ made me alive through the salvation, it's a whole new ball game. But this is the root, the heart, the meat of this issue. What is Christ saying? He's saying that it's not about you. And it's not about me. He's saying that if we really want to honor God when He says that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, then I've got to get it through my head and down into my heart that life is not about me. That this is not my own 77 average years. These are God's years. These are God's purposes that demand to be accomplished. What's the American dream? Well, one writer named David Platt in a book called Radical highlights it out and when you think of it, it makes a lot of sense, but the harsh reality is that our, almost our entire society is built around the premise of elevate yourself. Get what you want. Put yourself in a position where you've got it all. Dream the impossible dream of having everything that you've always wanted. And if we really dig into that, who is it about? It's about me. And that is in direct opposition to where Christ calls us to be as His followers. And the uncomfortable part for me in the last several weeks has been realizing that even though I say, all to Jesus I surrender when it boils down to my actions and my hearts and my desires, there is still far too much of KT at the center of my thinking. And so the challenge today through the Great Commission, through the beauty of your salvation, is to realize that a true life lived for God is not about yourself. It's about total surrender, total living for Almighty God. And only until we tackle that, only until we address that, can we really minister to others, whether it's widows or orphans or others hurting. If it's going to be about me, then my actions are doomed to failure. And so, while I'm certain that this change can't take place overnight in my heart, it's got to be a focus and a drive with the Spirit of God's help to say, less of me, more of you. This life is about Christ. This life is about Christ. Connor, can you go back one slide for me? The Matrix. See that at the very bottom? Another illustration. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but as I've thought about that more and more, the reality of The Matrix was that there was this elaborate... I think computer program. Is that right, Matthew, my official geek coordinator? (laughs) A computer program that simulated this life. But in reality, these humans were actually in a lab somewhere and these evil people were drawing energy from them to use for their own purposes. They thought they had this reality of it's my life. It's all of this. But really what was happening, because of their misguided view, they were really in slavery. And they were really just being used by some evil power for their own energy and their own um, their own existence. And this reminded me of sin in a big, big way. That there's a lie among us. There's a lie in our society that says just keep chasing after what makes you happy and that's going to fulfill. And the reality is that as long as we are a slave to sin, as long as we live in that bondage, then we'll never really have freedom. But when Christ makes you alive, now you have freedom. Now you can truly serve Him. But what blows my mind is guess where I like to continue to live. I like to continue to live in bondage. I like to continue to live in the garbage of the world. I like to continue to think that this lie about make yourself happy is the center of life is actually going to fulfill. And it continues to disappoint over and over and over again. And it's a good reminder to me that it seems really tough to say it's not about me. It seems painful to say, no, I'm going to seek that which is above, the heavenly things which are above, and I'm going to leave the self-service. It seems tough, but again, remember the words of Christ in John 15. He came that we may have life, that we may have it to the fullest. It's counterintuitive But the most fulfillment, the most joy will come when we finally say, all to Jesus, I surrender. I don't claim to be there. I don't claim to be close to that. But I know that Scripture is teaching us this morning that's the issue. So be on watch. Be ready. Be aware that that attitude we have of it's all about me dooms us in service to God before we even get going. I told you this was rosy. Christ reaffirms in the Great Commission that He has all authority. Why is it all about Christ? Because He is the authority. He is the highest of all. He is the supreme King of kings and Lord of lords. He commands that we make disciples everywhere. Everywhere. He reminds us of what disciples need to learn. He reminds us that we're to first learn the Gospel, the good news. He reminds us that we need to constantly look at the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You can look for examples of men and women who've gone through and they've, they've pursued the Great Commission. And you can look at um, Jesus Christ Himself when He ministered to Nicodemus. And you can hear Christ going out of His way to show Nicodemus the importance of being born again, the importance of knowing God, the importance of leaving futile self-service and seeking God. You can take a look further, you can look at the life of Philip, and you can see where Philip was willing to go wherever he needed to, wherever the Spirit of God directed him, and talk to whomever he needed to in order to obey Christ. And you can see that he goes to an a Ethiopian eunuch in, in seemingly the middle of nowhere. And God empowers him to share the good news so that this Ethiopian eunuch receives Jesus Christ as his Savior. What's the common thread in all these examples? Sacrifice. Purpose. Unselfish living, unhindered by the world. Remember what Jesus said, one of the guys that was coming to follow Him? Jesus Himself said that the Son of God has nowhere to lay His head. Birds have nests and and foxes have holes, but when you boil it down to it, Jesus Christ had sacrificed so much for the Kingdom of God that He didn't even really have a house to His name. Philip and the Apostle Paul and Peter and Lydia and Priscilla These were men and women that gave it all. They gave it all. And the bottom line is that God Himself is calling you and calling me to the exact same thing. He's calling us to give it all. He's calling us to forsake everything except following God. And that's a tall, tall order. There's all kinds of Scripture that would... Uh, support exactly what we're saying, and I'd encourage you to read through those. But this is all the backdrop to the reality that if we're going to minister in the way that God has designed us to minister, it has to be with a self-sacrifice. Keep moving through here. The Great Commission. Christ has all authority. You can see I'm moving ahead. And we'll summarize it before we get to the next part right here. This is your life purpose. Read through those. Christ has all authority. He makes the rules. He directs us. We follow Him. We're called to make learners of the Gospel, the good news of Jesus. Where are we called to do this? In every nation. In every nation. We're told to baptize those who become learners in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then maybe the hardest work of all, we're told to teach disciples to follow everything that Jesus has commanded. If this becomes the focus of our life out of love and devotion for Christ, now we've got a shot at truly ministering to widows and orphans and others in need. If we're going to just put a band-aid of action and say, okay, I'll volunteer at the food shelter once a month. But we haven't come to grips with the reality that I am called to a selfless life of complete submission to Christ and called to being Christ's hands and feet day in and day out to accomplish these things, then we're not going to be as effective as He would have us be. You ever wonder why God chose us to do His work? I don't know the answer to that. But it never stops amazing me that the reality is that God has entrusted His responsibility or or the responsibility to share His good news with you and me. Romans will talk all about, I think you pointed this out, Matthew, that people need to hear the good news. People need to be taught to be disciples. But if they don't have a teacher, how are they going to hear? And the harsh reality is is that the way it's set up is that if you or if I pass on our responsibility, if we say no thank you to this life calling, the message won't be given as clearly as it needs to be. God wants you literally to be His hands and feet. He literally wants you out there sharing, ministering, giving, making disciples. And I think the harsh reality of that is in my life there's so much that needs to change to really honor this as a priority. I'd encourage you to read this book. It's real, got some real solid things in it. And I think what was most challenging to me is to just realize that it's subtle, but we in America have just made self-service way too much of a priority. And so next as we kind of transition really um, to the two central passages that we kind of started with after a 30-minute intro then I think we'll start to see what we're really called to, but don't lose sight of the reality that this is not just a, a Thanksgiving weekend activity going to the food shelter kind of calling. That this is what God would have you do with your focus. Serve the Lord. Be the ministers of the Gospel in every nation. So let's take a look at James 1.27. I'm thankful that... Uh, even though it's very very tough to obey in these ways it's not hard to understand what we're being called to does that make sense it'd be one thing if we had to somehow have a tough time figuring out exactly what god wants you to do but it's not tough you shared that with us with the will of god it's clear and james chapter 1 verse 27 lays it out pretty clearly when he's talking about ministry. Two points, verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. If we want to boil down crystal clear opportunity to carry out being the hands and feet of Jesus, to carry out the Great Commission, there's an easy starting point. A crystal clear opportunity for doing that. If you want to make your faith real, who do you minister to? Orphans and widows. If you want to have an unselfish opportunity, minister to orphans and widows. And I was just really touched by that. Because that's not rocket science. That's not difficult. Listen to some of this. You know and I know that there are billions of people on earth struggling, suffering, Widows and orphans are among struggling the most. Listen to some of these um, statistics. There are 6.7 billion, at least at the time here, there are 6.7 billion people in the world. Is that still around it or are there more now? 4.5 billion of those people do not have the good news of Jesus Christ. 4.5 billion do not have the good news of Jesus Christ. And in fact, most of those 4.5 billion that, that don't have the good news of Jesus Christ are outside of the United States. There are... Billions of people that are suffering in poverty. More than one billion people live on less than $1 a day. Two billion people live on less than $2 a day. Half of the world is struggling to find food, shelter, and water. More than 26,000 children will die today throughout the world because of starvation or preventable disease. Many of them orphans because their parents have been killed or they've starved to death as well. There's not a lack of opportunity for us to realize that we can devote ourselves to ministering to people in need and hurting. And I think the harsh reality is that in the past, I guess I viewed ministering to the poor, ministering to the needy as a good thing to do. But I think if we really, really take Christ's challenge seriously, we realize that it's not a good thing to do, it's the thing to do. He calls us, if you want to really back up your conviction and your dedication to Me that you speak and you practice, Minister to Widows and Orphans. And we were talking about working from the inside out. I think the struggle is not that there's not an opportunity for you or for me to minister to others. The blunt struggle is that we don't care. 26,000 children. The author of this book challenges and said, what if your child right today Was starving to death. Would you care? I'd be freaking out. What if one of your children was starving to death? I'd still be freaking out. We'd be working hard together to save from this terrible, terrible thing of a little child starving to death. There are 26,000 of them starving to death today. Why aren't we concerned? because we don't care nearly enough. And if we truly want to honor God and we want a slam dunk easy opportunity to do that, we can start caring. I can start caring. I can start looking at all of the different things God has given. God has given time. God has given abilities. God has given possessions, which I would include money. And He's given those in abundance. Will I start to look at those stewardship issues? Will I start to look at those unbelievable gifts that God has given and start to realize that if I truly think outside myself, there are billions in need? So perspective becomes a big thing. Why did I start by talking the inside out? Because I know in my heart that my actions and my focus to the matter would say, I don't care about 26,000 children dying today because of starvation. And that's got to change. There are hurting people among us in this community. There are people hurting everywhere. Do I care? Do I care enough? Sadly, the answer in my heart is no, and that has to change. If we truly want to obey God, then we'll start to care. And we won't just care again on the uh, soup kitchen day, but it will start to affect everything. Now we get real ugly. It's come to my attention that I'm not only failing to care in my heart and in my mind and in my focus, but I'm continually spending money on things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of it all. And I'm starting to realize that this cozy, comfy life that I live really says to the 26,000 people, children starving today, I don't care. And I understand that this is an incredibly difficult topic. And I understand and believe with all of my heart that God is going to convict you on that. And if we all believe and know and understand that we have way too much and we spend way too much on ourselves, if we really start to understand how the Great Commission needs to be the drive of our hearts, then He's going to show you how He wants you to change and what He wants you to adjust and what will be different, where money will be spent differently, where time will be spent differently, where talents will be invested in a different way. And understand that I truly believe Scripture is very clear that that's going to look different through Kyle Graw's life than it is through my life. We are not talking about a cookie cutter, okay, everybody has to sell their house, everybody has to do this, everybody has to do that. We're not talking about that. We're saying that everyone has to be sensitive to how God would convict and lead you to give more, to minister to those in need. Follow me on that? One of the reasons this is so touchy is because in the past too many people have said, well, this is what you have to live on, this is what you have to give up, and this is how you carry this out. God doesn't necessarily say that. He's got a lot of key principles And we need to follow those. But let's start by truly seeking to back off from the me-centered existence and start to learn how I can give, sacrifice, change, redistribute time, money, and abilities used to start to be Christ's hands and feet to these billions of people that are hurting, most of which are lost without the good news of the Gospel. It's a touchy-touchy issue. But I think what we can all agree on as Scripture is saying is a heart change is needed. A focus change is needed. And we as a family have an opportunity to do that together. Let's look at the next passage in James. Not any lighter. Chapter 2, verse 15. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have action, is dead. Every time that I become aware of the people hurting and do nothing... It's empty. I'm missing the boat. I can be the best, I'm not, but I could be the best talker, the best speaker. And I could speak on a street corner the good news of Jesus Christ while homeless people all around me were there. But if I fail to follow through those words with action of ministry and sacrifice and giving and provision of their need, then the message of the Gospel is not as clear as it needs to be. We have an awesome opportunity to speak the Word, to preach the Gospel in season and out. We have the opportunity to tell the good news. But you know it as well as I do. Actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. And if we're going to be real, if we're going to be a family that is serious about honoring God, then we need to be people of action. I don't know what that looks like in every situation. As I said, we're working hard to figure out what that means for our little family. But I would urge you to join us in that. I would urge you to really seek to put ourselves out of the way and start to embrace this opportunity to be Christ's hands and feet. There's not a ton more that really needs to be said on this. There's a ton more that needs to be learned, and I I want you to be encouraged that that um, that this is a topic that we're really working hard. Your elders are really working hard to learn. You can imagine that it hasn't been all rosy discussions, right? But the reality is is that we desperately want to learn how God would have us put ourselves aside and embrace this life calling of the Great Commission. One other challenge on this, and I'd leave this as more of a question uh, than a teaching. These verses are pretty straightforward, aren't they? But I think we needed to look long and hard at the calling to make disciples in every nation. And I think we need to bring out that I, throughout life, maybe along with you, have had a very convenient cop-out on this, that I'm not called to another nation. Maybe you can identify. That might be true. God may have a specific purpose for you right here in Dubuque. But I was inspired to pray with our sister just a couple of weeks ago that God has led her to head out to Pakistan to share the good news. And I guess I would urge us to not only change our mindset, not only to realize that I'm going to have to start giving until it hurts if I'm really going to be backing up But I think we have to look long and hard at where would God have us fulfill the Great Commission. And understand that there's a board back there with all kinds of opportunity that if God doesn't have you moving to France today, God does have brother and sister in France that we're extremely close to whom you can minister with today. Ben and Elena are there. They're Christ's hands and feet. They're doing the work. And we have an opportunity to support them like crazy. You can go down the board. The Tuttles are doing the work of the Lord. The Youngs are ministering in Australia. And you go through it. If God doesn't have you moving to France tomorrow, maybe He has you sending along some financial support. Maybe He has you looking up that email address and sending an email to Ben and Elena saying, hey, thank you for your ministry. We're behind you. We love you. I think we got to look at where God would have us be obedient to the all-nations part of it as well. So just a light Sunday challenge, right? Change the way you're thinking, change the way you're living, and change where you're doing it all, right? I'm convinced that God has unbelievable things in store for this church family. And I also am fully convinced through challenge of my, my brothers, challenge of my sisters, challenge from other people I've never met in my life, and most importantly, challenge from God Himself that it's time for a change and it's time for adjustment. Father, we commit this to You. Again, nothing revolutionary has been sent, said. Nothing a breakthrough in what we didn't really know. But Lord, it's just another call to action. Will I stand content in my own selfishness? Will I stand content living the lie that it's all about me? Or will I be obedient to You, Father? Will I step out in faith and realize that You are my life and that Your calling, that Your purpose is what it's all about. freaks me out to think about what that means. really scares me to think about what will have to change. But Lord, we take a step by step in faith knowing that You'll lead us and knowing that if we are really sincere, that there will be crystal clear direction from You as to where You'd have us minister. Father, again, there's, there's as many questions left today as there are answers. But we pray for real help and conviction as we start to sort through those questions. We thank You that You're faithful. We thank You you that You're the great God who will provide for us and lead us. In Jesus' name, Amen.